This is episode 26 of Sustainable Photography. Today I'm talking with Leslie Rodriguez, who has a successful wedding photography business and also a portrait studio in her backyard in Louisville, Kentucky. She does such a great job at standing out and being herself that I had to have a conversation with her about how she does it and why it matters to her that she can be herself in her business. You're listening to Sustainable Photography, where you get support and education to build your profitable business in a way that supports your way of living. I'm Ingvild Kolnes, and after 11 years as a photographer, I want to share what I've learned with you. So if you're looking for confidence, inspiration, and to-the-point tips, keep listening. For full transparency, I also want you to know that I'm a mentor with paid offers, and I might mention some of those in this episode. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, this, this is going to be so much fun. I've been looking forward to this. Same, same. Mm. So why don't you start by telling me about you and your background? Maybe just a bit about who you are and Absolutely. how you ended up as a photographer? <laughs> it's a journey. Uh, I feel like it's <laughs> that way for all of us. I've been listening to your podcast and I feel like everybody's got their own little journey for how they get mm -hmm. to becoming a photographer. Um, yeah. There's a lot of similarities between all of us, I think. But I, uh, I think for me, it started when I was very little. Um, I loved looking through my parents' photo albums. I was obsessed with going through photo albums and seeing old pictures of my parents when they were younger. I just thought it was so fascinating to think that they were once young, like me, like <laughs> that they were once little kids. Like that was such a crazy concept and that there were pictures documenting that. Um, and at the time, like those pictures were so precious because they didn't have iPhones that they were running around with. And, you know, so there aren't thousands of pictures of them as children. So those <clears throat> photos of them were very precious to me to see <clears throat> the life that they lived. And so it really started with that. And then I became our family documentarian. I would always be the one with the camera whenever we would go on family vacations. I was always trying to take the photos that I thought my kids would remember someday, except I was never in the photos because I was the one taking them. <laughs> so, um, and then that, that came, you know, <clears throat> into high school where I was always the official one in our group of friends that was documenting. So I had a couple of different, <clears throat> of course, back then it was all film. So it was, I had a couple of different 35 millimeter cameras. I had a, um, I had a, I was the videographer. So I, I, it, to all of our like little high school parties, I would bring my video camera and you just get ridiculous, like totally embarrassing video that I'm sure my high school friends would be horrified to know that I still have probably somewhere if I could find any way to actually play it. Um, and so I would have just VHS tapes and tapes and I would have all of these, you know, photos that I would develop and I would get so excited. Um, to get the photos back, you know, I would take them to like the Walgreens one hour photo and I would be so, it would be like Christmas to open the photos and see and like be able to relive those moments. And before Facebook, so I graduated high school in 2004. So this was before Facebook was around. I, um, I wanted to paint my room, but I, my parents wouldn't let me. So I took photos that I was taking and I would paste them on my wall. So my wall was wallpapered with photos. So when Facebook came around, all of my friends started messaging me and saying that I had the original Facebook wall because my wall was just <laughs> covered. And, and so people wanted to be on my wall. So it became like a, 
thing where um, my friends wanted to, you know, have their photo on my bedroom wall, I guess, which is, I don't know, weirder, but it was, to me, it became like this game. And so when Facebook did come around, I started wanting to be, I had this little game where I wanted my photos to be as many people's profile photos as possible. And so I was constantly trying to like take amazing photos of people so that they would be motivated to use those as their profile photos. And so eventually that just kind of, I became known as the person that was always with a camera. Um, and so eventually, you know, my camera, my cameras evolved. I stopped using film. I started using nicer and nicer digital cameras. Um, and then, you know, one day about 12 years ago, um, a friend of mine from high school asked me to shoot her wedding. And then that's just kind of, I was like, oh, people will pay me to do this? Fantastic. <laughs> and I think my first wedding I shot, I did the engagement photos, the rehearsal dinner, the entire wedding from start to finish. And I had a photo booth there and I charged like 700 bucks. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> often how it starts. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, yeah. sorry, that's kind of a long journey, but that... Um, and, the, and I did some other things before it became like a full-time profession. I was a graduate student. Um, I was trying to become a sociology professor. So I was in graduate school for a few years and just doing photography on the side. And then I was also a touring musician. And I did that for um, four years and always photography was on the side. Um, and then I wound up having, uh, I got pregnant, had a little baby girl and decided to just transition into doing photography full-time so that I wasn't traveling so much anymore. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. It can, be, <laughs> can be kind of stressful. Photography is easier to combine with uh, having a family. Oh, goodness. Yes, yes, mm. absolutely. I work on my own time. So. Yeah, yeah, that's the best. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the best part of the job. Yeah. So since this is the Sustainable Photography Podcast, I have to ask you what you consider to be a sustainable business. Sustainability meaning you know, this is something that I can do long-term and, and see myself being happy in this for longer than just in this moment. Um, I really think it's about being able to keep yourself happy. It's, you know, when you first start this business or when I did at least, and I hear this a lot from other photographers, I really was trying to please everyone and just constantly trying to, you know, I'm not, I'm a very, I'm a people pleaser anyway. And just trying to constantly reach all every single need for all of my clients, including price points. So it's not just that I was trying to give them some great photos, but I was also trying to keep them from feeling like they were breaking the bank. So I kept my prices low to keep people happy. And I way overextended myself. Um, and I'm sure that that's familiar to your listeners. Um, and it's just, it, that was not sustainable for me. Um, and so I think, and the other problem with that was that I was always trying to give my clients what they wanted without really finding a way to incorporate what I wanted in the photos. And if this is something that I wanted to do for, you know, a long-term career, I was going to have to find a way to um, express myself in, in people's photos. I wasn't going to do the selective color editing anymore. You know, like these, there were just things that I just, that did not feel like me. And I was embarrassed when people would post these photos and tag me in them. And you know, that became, that was something that was clear to me, even, 
you know, from the first year or so into the business. And, and so I really, it became about, it became um, to me an issue of finding a way to keep myself happy um, by charging more and doing photos that, you know, producing photography that I was proud of. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And <laughs> I think you're completely right. I do think too many start off with too low prices and then they kind of get stuck in it. And then they think, oh, it's not possible to make a living from photography. I have to quit or I have to just do it as a hobby. But they are kind of missing that whole factor of just finding pieces of themselves that they can show and, and share that can represent their brand in a way so that people will book them for them. Yes. And that's when I realized that I could actually charge more is when I when I started realizing that people were coming to me for my work, specifically for my take on photography, I realized that that was a commodity that I could sell mm. and that I could charge more for that because I am the only one who, yeah. who does photography the way I do. And of course, every, you know, a lot of photographers have a difficult time overcoming this thought of like, my market is saturated. There's tons of photographers. I live in Louisville, Kentucky, which probably maybe nobody listening will know where that is like this is um it's very it's not a huge metropolis um Kentucky is not you know everybody's favorite tourist destination um but even here there are tons of photographers tons of photographers um and so it's very easy to get caught up in this feeling of like there are so many why would somebody come to me why would somebody pay more when they can go elsewhere and pay less um and really it's become about well if they want me specifically um and i have to market myself i have to do a good job of showing people who i am and what my work is and if mm. they want that specifically they're gonna have to pay yeah a little bit more yeah. um so but that makes a lot of sense because you know sometimes people are looking for or asking people are inquiring to you and they're like yeah we're looking for a photographer and you can tell they're just looking for any photographer and why would you ever want to be that just any photographer you want someone who wants you for you yeah absolutely and and that was a huge I mean that is how it becomes sustainable when people are looking for you for your work specifically it's it's a validation of all the work that you've done and the artistic expression that you have to offer. If I don't want people to just come to me because they're looking for any photographer. Um, and I know I'm not going to book those people when they, yeah. when they come to me and they've never, they haven't looked through my website. They haven't followed me on social media. I know that they're not going to book me because first of all, my prices are high and that might come as a shock to them. Um, but also they're just not going to connect with my personality. Um, mm -hmm. I have a very distinct personality and it's not for everyone. Um, and it was very frustrating to me when I first started this business that I wasn't everybody's cup of tea. Like I wanted everybody to like me. Yeah. And I just have realized that there's no, there's no fun in that. When everybody likes you, there's just <laughs> that it, you can't have everybody like you. It just doesn't work. And so then when people don't like you, it's very confusing and you're just, you get caught up on that and you're kind of spinning in that wheel. Um, and it's very unsatisfying. <laughs> Absolutely. And one thing that actually comes to mind when you're talking about this is, I think it was a few months ago, you went to a workshop 
uh, and then everyone was like wearing neutrals and and pastels and stuff and then you show up in like bright orange can you can you you talk about that for a bit oh my goodness it was such a oh gosh it was such a funny experience so um I actually came to love everybody from this workshop so we're all friends now but when I first showed up I could tell that we were all in different places in our business um and appealing to a different crowd Mm -hmm. and There was a big group photo. Well, so one of the days, we were all in New York, and one of the days that um, one of the specific events for the workshop was that we were all going to get new headshots, um, and the person running the workshop was going to take new headshots for all of us. So we all had picked out very specific outfits that we wanted because, you know, you're traveling a long way to New York. You want it to look good with the background, um, and you want these headshots to be ones that you'll use on your website. So, So everybody is kind of going with a more neutral palette because most people's websites are neutral and they want to kind of match what their branding is and match what those websites are. And so I, I showed up, um, I'm a very colorful person. I love colorful photography. Um, and once a mentor once told me that, um, you know, I, I don't have to say that I like color. I can just show that I like color by, obviously dressing that way or and I I don't always dress in a lot of color actually most of my wardrobe is black and white but um it's you know your photography can be colorful without having to say I am a colorful photographer so I I walked downstairs to the lobby of the hotel and I am wearing an off shoulder bright orange top um chiffon top like big and a completely floral um from my waist to my feet, bright orange and yellow skirt. And I just stood out like a sore thumb. And we did a group photo together and everybody's wearing their creams and pastels and blacks and browns and tans. And I just have this bright orange and floral outfit on. And I felt like, oh, these poor people. I felt sorry for the director of the workshop because she was obviously going to use this photo in her website and, you know, to attract people to come to this workshop. And I was just kind of ruining the photo for her in my bright orange, whatever (laughs) it was, it worked out, but (laughs) I was definitely, um, the, the, I, it was easy to find me in central park that day. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But you decided to dress like that for a reason because it suits your it suits you who you are and your brand and everything but why do you think standing out is a good idea and to show your personality well I think part of it for me is that there I don't want there to be any surprises when Mm -hmm. a client meets me or even other vendors Um, I've realized over the last year that a huge part of building this business is connecting with other vendors um, and showing them my personality and I don't want there to be any surprises when I show up on the Mm -hmm. wedding day and I am a bright, bubbly, very excitable person. Um, (laughs) You know, I was listening to your podcast with Rachel and Rachel Fugate, and she talks about being an introvert and I could not possibly be more different. Like I, and I love her for that. Um, And she has built being an introvert into her brand. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I, mine is the complete opposite. Like I want you to know that I am loud. Um, I'm probably yelling right now. Like you're, you're going to have to like work on the controls for this podcast so that I'm not screaming at your audience. Like I'm a loud person. I love to laugh. I'm an Enneagram seven. I'm optimistic and I'm bright. 
Um, and so even though I'm not going to show up on your wedding day wearing orange, like that, obviously that's, I will follow the rules of etiquette and I will not be an eyesore at your wedding, but <laughs> you should know that I am this kind of person. And I like to be a little bit different and I like to be a little bit bright. Um, and <laughs> I just feel like if I make that very clear up front, then there are no surprises on the back end because, and mm. I, I think I heard Rachel also say this in her interview with you that, you know, one of her brides said that she hired her because she's an introvert and she can connect yeah. with her on that level. And that kind of bride is not, does not want to hire me. Like I mm -hmm. am not that person. And so even if a bride loves my photography, um, they should know that my personality is loud and bubbly. And that's just how it's going to, that's just how I am. So <laughs> I like to make it very clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that's so important because a lot of photographers are hoping that their photography is going to be enough, that people should just be able to see my photos and they're going to want to book me because my work speaks for itself. But a huge part of what we do is yes. connecting with the people we're photographing. So they yes. have to like us. They just have to connect with who we are. Um, so we get booked not just on the basis of our work but who we are as well absolutely I have noticed over the years and I was actually speaking with another mentor about this as well like the people who book me are the ones who have been following me and they know my kids they know my they know my my daughters they by name you know because they see them in my Instagram stories or they know my dog um they know that my husband and I love to watch parks and recreation like they just, they connect with me um, through you know, the ways that I communicate to my audience. And again, like people who just call me out of nowhere because they found me on Google, like those are not the people who book me um, because they haven't had an experience with my brand. Yeah. They like my photography, but they haven't experienced me. Um, and I, I am not everybody's cup of tea. So. Mm, yeah. And before, before this um, talk, I was checking out your website and you love to do branding photography. So I thought we'd talk about that a little bit. What do you consider a brand? Well, it's definitely more than a logo. Um, I used to think that if I had a really cool logo, um, then I had a brand and yeah. colors, you know, color, I would have a color scheme and I would have a logo and I would have fonts and that is a brand. And um, those are tools to communicate a brand, but your brand is really um, whatever makes you identifiable and distinctive and memorable and how you communicate with your clients and the experience that you provide your clients. It's, it's a long-term game. So you can't just buy a brand. Um, you can't just buy a logo. It's, it's a long-term commitment to who you are as a business and how you communicate who you are. Um, I think that that's, that's a really important part. And so, you know, with branding photography, for example, I like to send out, you know, I'm not just going to book somebody and show up at the studio and just get some nice photos of them. Like those are portraits um, and I can take portraits all day, but those are not brand photos. So I send out a questionnaire to, to, you know, anybody who hires me for brand photography. And I asked them, you know, like, tell me three things about your business that you find are really important. 
tell me what are some of your favorite reviews that people have left for you? Um, Cause I want to know how other customers see you um, and why that's important to you. A lot of it is asking why, why are things important? Why does this matter to me? Um, and so I'm really able to build kind of a whole picture, a whole story around a person um, and their business. And so that these photos can be useful to whoever that individual is when they are trying to communicate who they are and who their business is. Because if it's just a nice looking photo, like you can take that with your phone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I definitely agree. But when you kind of built your own brand, how, <laughs> how did that go? How did you do that? Again, it was definitely a process. Um, I think it started, I mean, luckily I had an experience, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, I was a musician before I was a full-time photographer. And so I spent four years on the road kind of developing who I was as an artist um, among a following of people who followed me for my music. So I already came into photography having this sort of experience of building a brand as a musician. I'm loving this conversation with Leslie and I hope you are too. I promise she'll be right back to share her thoughts, but I just wanted to tell you that I'd love to support you. So come on over to Instagram. I'm at Ingvild Kolnes and let me know what your favorite part about this episode is. Just send me a DM. And, and a lot of it was from studying other musicians. Like you, you have to look outside of photography also and find other brands that you connect with and see how they do it and, and what they're doing well. So for me, a lot of those brands were musicians um, and how they had communicated who they were to their audience. Because um, if you want to sell tickets as a musician, you really have to connect with your audience. That is a, you know, a mass business, like a, what do they call it? a volume-based business. Um, and so going into building myself up as a brand and as a photographer, I did start with those kind of very basic things, logo, font, colors, um, and realized that that wasn't enough. And so I, I really kind of dug into why photography was important to me. Um, and I realized that I was just bored trying to fit myself into the mold of the photographer that I saw, um, you know, like the successful Martha Stewart wedding photographer. And don't get me wrong, I'd still love to have my work published in Martha Stewart, but I don't want it to be because it looks like every other wedding that I see on Martha Stewart. So um, I, I started off like really trying to match what I saw out there um, and then realizing that I was getting bored really quickly with that. And so over the years, it has just been an, a kind of back and forth game between what I see other people doing and starting to drift in that direction and then getting bored and realizing, no, I need to find my own way in this. Um, and, and just kind of, it, it is a lot of back and forth though. It's never been a very clear path to me. Um, so it's, it's always just kind of asking what speaks to me the most and what makes me feel the most emotional, what kind of brand really connects with me. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that a lot of people might get a bit disappointed when they see that it's not about 
just buying a set of like buying a logo and and colors that kind of coordinate and like oh these look pretty and I also think that some might be disappointed when when they see or find out that it's not like um it's not like a straight road you might have to make some mistakes and make some changes along the way absolutely and if if buying a logo and having a color scheme if that gives you a place to start you have to start somewhere I am the kind of person as an Enneagram seven, I'm presented with tons of options and I freeze. I don't know what to do. So for me, it really was like buying those tools at the beginning. And then that gave me the space to say, okay, I have a website that people can go to if they want to find me. That's a good placeholder. It's going to sit there until I really know who I am. And then I'm going to invest real money in making it look and feel like me. In the meantime, you have that opens up space to say, okay, that's done. Now I'm going to go off and figure out who it is that I am, what it kind of work I want to produce. And then that will help you, you know, take those baby steps towards becoming the brand that you want to put out into the world. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think, I think for most people that would make the most sense to start off small and not just like the first thing you do before you've ever even taken a photo is to like invest in branding because you usually need quite a bit of time yes. to figure out what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Like invest in education, invest in putting together styled shoots or editorial shoots that are that have nothing to do what, with what the, is going on in the industry, but are completely creative for yourself. And just figuring out what it is that you like. And then, and all the while you have your placeholder website with your placeholder logo. And as you do the work to figure out what it is that you want to do and what it is that appeals to you and what you like, you know, then later down the road, you can invest, like I said, real money into having a website that really speaks to who you are and having a brand presence. It's not just a website, but, you know, these kinds of tools that really express to the people out there. Um, to your clients who you are mm, absolutely do you ever do you ever see that ah oh, these mistakes are, people are making them all the time like there are some things that just happen again and again when it comes to branding um I hate to see people forcing themselves into a brand that isn't who they are so like doing reels and tiktoks when I can tell that that's not somebody's personality. Like if I see a friend of mine who's, you know, dancing in a TikTok video, but I know that they are miserable doing it. Like I know in the background that they're miserable <laughs> doing it. Some people that's totally who they are. And if that's who you are, do mm -hmm. it. It is not me. Mm -hmm. You will not see me post a dancing reel on Instagram to get more followers. Same. But that's like, that is kind of a cardinal sin that I see people doing or creating, you know, whatever is popular in the day because somebody told you you have to. Um, I think that that is something where I just think, oh goodness, like, not again. <laughs> like it makes me, it, it makes me cringe. Um, but I can, you know, People can tell when you're being your authentic self and people can tell when you're forcing yourself to do something that you really don't want to do. Um, and if you don't want to do it, if it's a gut feeling that says that you, you know, that this isn't you, 
people know, like people can see through that. So just don't do it. Find another way to, I mean, and followers aren't everything. That's another kind of big mistake that I see people making when they, when it comes to branding is just chasing after followers. Followers are not buying from you. Um, those are not the people who are spending their money on you. So um, I, I understand that numbers, you know, numbers of followers add some kind of sense of legitimacy, but uh, it's chasing after those kinds of numbers is exhausting and it's not going to put money in your pocket. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. And I think you, you just said something that's also an important reminder again. And when you were talking about TikToks and Reels and all that, that's also part of your brand, like the way you show up. It's it's such an important thing to remember that you are you are your brand for at least most photographers. That's how it is. Yes. Yeah. The way that you communicate with your followers, the experience that you give to your clients, um, that's a huge part of your brand. Again, it's beyond logo, color scheme, fonts. It's it's how it's who you are and how you communicate that. Um it doesn't have to be showing up and talking to your to your people. Um, it can be in the way that you write your captions. Um, it can be in the blogs that you post. It can be in the podcasts that you host. It's um, it goes beyond. I mean, a lot of it is showing your face. People want to see your face, but it goes beyond simply dancing in a in a reel. <laughs> um, but again, if that's who you are, do it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Where do you think your passion comes from when it comes to branding and wanting to see others kind of find their, their voice? It's taken me 13 years to um, feel at home with who I am and what I'm doing. So this is my third career. Um, And I spent a lot of time a lot of my 20s um, trying to chase what other people wanted and trying to, again, I'm a people pleaser. So trying to show up in a way that makes other people happy. Um, Building a brand around myself that I didn't really connect with um, and I didn't identify with. And it made me supremely unhappy. And I feel like there's so much joy in figuring out who you are and especially feeling comfortable in um, expressing who you are. And um, I, I feel like that's when money starts coming in, <laughs> which it's not all about money, but if this is your business and you want it to be sustainable, you really have to think about getting paid. Um, and if you're getting paid to be somebody that you're not, you're not going to be happy. Um, It's that old money doesn't buy you happiness. I mean, if you constantly have to show up every day representing a brand that is not who you are, it's not going to come across as the life that you want. And so I think that it is so satisfying and fulfilling and truly this is when you start enjoying the business uh, when you feel like you can be who you are and you know how to express it and you feel safe expressing who that is. Um, I know now 
I like to be liked, but I know that not everybody's going to like me. And I'm comfortable with that now. Um, and so, but that's taken a lot of, you know, trying to figure out who it is that I am. Um, sorry, not who it is that I am. I've always been pretty clear on who it is that I am, but how I express that to other people, especially as a business. Um, and so I feel like that is something that I really love to do in photography is helping people see how beautiful they are when they are just being themselves um, and how much of a release that is. Hmm. What do you think can happen if you kind of go the other way? Like if you, if you don't try to discover who you are and what you should be doing and going in the direction of happiness, but what happens if you just follow along with what everyone else is doing? I think um, there's a spectrum on where that can go. So I think on the one end, you can wind up supremely unhappy because you're constantly trying to fit yourself into a box that you don't belong in. And I feel like you would wind up unable to please your clients because you're trying to satisfy needs that you either don't want to or can't provide. Um, you're doing work that you don't want to do, which is a very quick way to burn out. Um, quick road to burnout is, is working on projects that you don't want to be doing. Um, and then kind of on the other end of that spectrum is maybe not necessarily like a depression, but just a confusion. Just I'm, I'm getting paid. I'm doing this wonderful job. I get to travel and this is an amazing opportunity and I work for myself. Why am I not happy? And it's just this utter confusion because you've never done any kind of work to figure out who you are as a business um, and why you're there. So, you know, if, in my case, for example, I love to travel. Um, I love especially getting to see new places, um, but I'm also very afraid of flying. And I have a family that I love at home. So if I'm traveling, I have a lot of anxiety around flying and I don't get to be with my loved ones at home. So I have to know that, of course, I would feel extremely lucky if I had a job that had me traveling and shooting destination weddings all over the place. Like that on paper looks really cool. And everybody from the outside looks at that and says, oh, wow, she gets to go to Hawaii and she gets to go to France and what an amazing mm -hmm. job. But on the inside, that would slowly kill me because mm -hmm. I know myself. I know I would be anxious all year long about all of the flights that I have coming up. And I would be sad that I'm missing all this time with my daughters. So I have had to do some soul searching and just really, I only take on one or two travel weddings a year, even though I know that it would look prestigious and it would look really great on paper to take more of those. It just is not who I am as a business. And so I keep most of my focus at home and I do one or two a year that satisfy my urge to travel and it looks great, but that's it. I don't try to fill my calendar up with these fancy, you know, amazing trips um, all around the world. And, and for some people, that is what they want to do. They call themselves a destination wedding photographer and you just have to find what it is that really works for you. It would not be sustainable for me to have an entirely destination-based photography business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I think that's also 
an important reminder to not do what everyone else thinks is cool because it's probably not the right fit for you and it's something that I talk a lot about in my mentoring program as well like don't do what I did try to figure out what works for you because (laughs) just because it worked for me it doesn't mean that it's going to work for you because we're so different all of us yes yes and there are there are nuggets out there. There are little pieces of information that you can pick up from other people and seeing what it is that they do. I mean, none of us operate in a vacuum. We're all taking inspiration and ideas from each other. Um, And we're all trying to do, you know, a little bit of smoke and mirrors to show that we are successful um, and, and show that our businesses are are working and, and turning, especially during a time, you know, pandemic and, all the things that have been happening. Um, But it's just important to constantly like, it's that gut feeling like, is this me or is this not? And I I listen to my gut now a lot. Like I do as much as I can to like figure out, does this feel like me? No. Okay. I'm not going to do it. You also think of burnout as not just because I've always thought like burnout that comes from working too much, not getting paid and just being stressed out and kind of, ending up hating what you do, but you think of burnout a little bit differently. Maybe you can speak to that a bit. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I think of burnout. I mean, absolutely. What you said definitely qualifies as burnout to me, but it's also doing work that doesn't speak to me and, and satisfy me. So what is the point of working for yourself? If you're not doing work that you love, what is the point of doing, of running this business, of being your own boss, if you aren't taking on projects or even creating projects for yourself that um, have a little bit of different creative expression. So I always, you know, I hear a lot of educators saying, don't work for free. Don't take on free projects or whatever, because that will lead to burnout. Now, for me, if I see a project where somebody can't pay me as much as I normally would want, but I can turn it into a creative project for myself. Um, I do a lot of stock photography. And so if, if I can turn it into a stock photography project that I can upload for stock photos and get paid for that, and, and I can bring a little bit of my artistic direction in, I'll do it. Um, or, you know, I, I'm always trying to find at least once a quarter a um, project just for me where I put out a model call and I create, and I try not to make it too stressful because if it's, you know, if it becomes a big project that gets out of hand, then it's not fun anymore. But if I can find some unique little twist on a project um, and that sounds interesting to me, that kind of work becomes very useful because it keeps me from feeling burnt out where this is my project. I can do whatever I want on this. Nobody's telling me what to do. And it also gives me content that I can use to express who I am. And it's not on anybody else's terms. This is entirely mine. Um, And so I think that I was feeling burned out just from having everybody else's projects and not ever getting to work on anything of mine. Um, And so nowadays, I always am trying to make sure that my creative juices are satisfied by having my own projects. um, And that rejuvenates me. That sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) (laughs) it's something that I have I have learned but you know I'm still working on it (laughs) Mm, yeah what do you think if you had like if you had one thing you could tell the person listening now to do 
to kind of get better at showing their personality? What would you say? I would, I would say go back to thinking about when you were happiest, if that was when you were a kid, or maybe you were on a study abroad trip when you were in college, or think about a moment in time where you were, where you felt free and happy. And you've always thought like, I wish I could, I could recreate that and figure out a way to, in your work, recreate that moment in a project for yourself. So I found a picture of myself when I was 10 years old. I'm always trying to go back to when I was 10 because that was before, you know, peer pressure and trying to be cool. All of that came in like 10 years old for me was when I was entirely myself. And so I'm always trying to get back to who that person was. And I found a picture of myself um, and I'm sitting in the pool and I'm holding a magazine called Zoo Books. It's a magazine that lots of kids growing up in the United States had. And I'm sitting in this ridiculous pool chair in the middle of the pool and I have these sunglasses on and you can just tell that I felt so adult. Like I, I thought I looked so cool um, with my magazine and, you know, like, don't bother me. Um, and the colors are super bright in that photo. I'm wearing like a purple bathing suit. I'm sitting on a rainbow chair, It's bright blue water. And that photo just speaks to me so much. And so last spring I created I thought, how can I, you know, bring this to wedding photography? So I took a day and I created a studio shoot where I just had a pink backdrop, a green backdrop, and a yellow backdrop. And I rented three different dresses and I had brides come in or three models come in and I dressed them up in these dresses. And we just played around with rainbow, strips of rainbow tulle and just took photos all day. And none of those are on my website right now. Like it's not... Um, not something that I really use to advertise. Uh, I put them on my studio page um, because it was in a studio, but it was just very satisfying to me. Like I felt like I was 10 years old again, just surrounded by colors in the nineties with big ball gowns and tulle and just dancing around to music, like from no doubt. <laughs> And it was so satisfying and I felt wonderful afterwards. And I didn't feel like I had to use any of it to advertise again. Like this was just for me. And I realized that that sounds very, it was a privilege to have that time and ability to do it. And it doesn't have to be that big of a scale, but just try to create some kind of project for yourself that takes you back to those moments where you're, you're happiest. And I feel like that will help you find yourself and, and rejuvenate whatever it is that's going on in your business. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that's really inspiring. I want to do something like that now. I have to think of I have to think of something. It's fun. fun. It's, yeah, it really, mm. really is. Yeah, I don't think we play enough. I think things just get too serious at a point, and then we just forget how it all or why we started in the first place. Yeah, we do. We don't play enough. That's exactly right. Mm. Yeah. So, what would you recommend doing to build a sustainable business? I would recommend one easy thing is to look outside of photography. So try to find what it is that inspires you that's outside of the wedding business. Um, I don't know if that's fashion or sports or um, any other outlet. Uh, because I feel like if we are just constantly living off of other people's images in the wedding industry um, and 
listening and living vicariously through other people's wedding experiences, we forget that there's other stuff going on in the world. And I think that if we can branch out and see, find what other brands are doing that are outside of photography and outside of the wedding world, see what they're doing that, to keep them going and to speak to their audience. Um, find what works for other industries. Um, and I feel like we can bring that back in to the wedding world and that will revitalize and rejuvenate whatever it is that we're doing in our business and make, make it more sustainable because wedding trends change. Um, photography trends change, not just weddings. So studio photography, family photography, trends come and go. Um, and vendors and other people in this industry come and go. But there's always great influences that we can find outside of whatever it is that we're doing. Um, and, I, and I feel like being able to incorporate other influences from other facets of our life will help us create more sustainable businesses. Mm, perfect. That's really good. Thank you so much for saying so. <laughs> yeah. Um, so where can the listener go to keep learning from you, Leslie? I have um, two Instagram accounts <laughs> with two different brands. Um, <laughs> so you can find my wedding work at um, L underscore S-L-I-E-R-O-D-R-I-G-U-E-Z. So that's Leslie Rodriguez and the first E is an underscore. <laughs> <laughs> it's a terrible way to describe it. Um, or you can see my studio work, uh, which is at Leslie the Studio. Uh, and that's the best way to keep in touch with me. I'm going to be hopefully releasing a course on editing and being able to find your voice in, in editing. Um, but we will see when that happens. <laughs> oh, that sounds really interesting. And you have some presets as well. Maybe you can talk just a little bit about them as well so we know what to expect and where to find them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, if you go to leslierodriguezphoto.com slash presets, again, that's leslierodriguezphoto.com slash presets. I have, uh, it's especially perfect right now because it's winter. So I have winter presets that are designed to brighten up and warm up any um, photos that you take. They can be used on professional photos. I designed them for um, photos that you take with your phone. Uh, and they're great for, you know, snowy days or overcast days where everything is gray, like right now where I am. Um, and yeah, they're, it's, it's a fun little project that I had in mind to just kind of create these presets because I know that parents take a lot of photos of kids running around in the snow mm -hmm. um, and then they don't always look that great they never <laughs> look like what the, what you saw yeah. it's not ever what you see that comes out on your phone so I, I created these presets to kind of fix those those errors mm, perfect <laughs> I'm definitely going to add all those links to the show notes so it's easy to find <laughs> thanks thank you I appreciate that Thanks so much for doing this talk lesson. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Sorry if I talk too much. <laughs> no, definitely not. I feel really inspired. I just want to go out and create myself now. Oh, I hope you do. Yeah. I hope everybody does. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Sustainable Photography. Head over to Instagram at Ingvild Kolnes to tell me what you want future episodes to be all about. Check out the show notes over at ingvildkolnes.com slash podcast. You can learn more about the Sustainable Photography Program and sign up for the waitlist there. To get more of this content, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Your support makes all the difference. 
talk soon.